ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. Competition is To another edition of Hard in the Paint. Uh, I am your host, of course, David Grubb, and this is part three of my series on um, the uh, conversations about the lawsuit that Brian Flores has brought against the NFL um, and, and two teams in particular, the New York Giants and the Miami Dolphins. And the first one I had was with some media friends of mine who we gave our initial reactions to it. This was the day after. So it was very visceral. It was very emotional. Um, second part, uh, if you go back and listen to that is with sports attorney and um, law professor Dan Lust. And I wanted to get as much legal understanding as I could about this case. So now um, another person who I can contact like early in this, this was probably Wednesday, I think when uh, we first when I first reached out to you about this, because I wanted to talk to you and get your, your thoughts on this, um, is journalist Dawn Montgomery. And Dawn and I are friends, but um, more importantly, I think that we, the last time we uh, were on the pod together, like we had a really good conversation. And so- We did, when, we did. <laughs> and so when this topic came up, I thought of you immediately. Okay, so first I do want to get your initial reaction when the suit came out. Um, I know what mine was, and it was, you know, I was shocked on the one hand of just the timing of it, um, and I was a little shocked at who did it, uh, but I want to get your thoughts and your reaction. So for me, it was like, oh, wow, this is what we're doing for Black History Month <laughs> initially, and then it was when I kind of got over the fact that it was like, that was to me, that was a shock factor for real, because I think they had been sitting on this for months. I think it was, it's one of those things where he didn't wake up overnight and say, I'm going to contact somebody. I'm getting ready to sue the NFL. He did not. So um, by the time I kind of calmed down over the fact of, dang, we can't even have our month without, <laughs> you know, some mess, it was more so, Good for him. Good for him. Uh, you know, if, if you think about it, you know, considering he had a winning season where he was, it's like it makes no sense why he's had any issues in finding another job, um, getting other opportunities to um, excel in this league. Um, and so for me, those were my initial reactions early on. Um, I think we both saw on Twitter today and someone had sent it to you and you mentioned it. There was a reaction by Carl Douglas, who was an attorney for OJ Simpson. And some of these same questions that, that he brought up came up in the conversation that I had with, with Dan um, about the timing um, and about what I think is a real thing. And, and we've seen it throughout the history of black progress is what I'd like to call the imperfect messenger. Yeah, 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 <laughs> for sure. And, and, and it's, I haven't had this conversation with anybody else, so I really wanted to have it with you. Okay. Um, the timing part did get me for this reason. Mm -hmm. um, I thought, and Dan and I talked about this, was finish the cycle. Finish yes. the cycle and yes. let there be still only one Blackhead coach when it's all done. Let Mike Tomlin yep. still be the only one. Mm -hmm. Finish the cycle, go through all of it, then you, it felt like, because to me, the class action part of this is the most important thing. If the other coaches 
Finley don't coalesce behind Brian Flores and acknowledge these things, it's not going to hold. Right. So to me, you come out of that and there's no more black coaches than than there were when the cycle started, then I think I don't need the symbolism. And that's one of the things that Dan and I talked about was like, the symbolism doesn't matter in the courtroom. Nobody's going to care that it was the first day of Black History Month. Exactly. And a lot of times, you know, for... For those of us in media, people are generally tried online, in media, articles, videos, interviews, and things of that nature. So if your drive was to really kind of draw some attention to this before a lawsuit was actually filed, you know, which would have given you plenty of time to kind of let the cycle finish and be prepared, then I feel like... He could have done all the press rounds he wanted to do, which is what he's been doing. And he still would have gotten the same reaction that he's getting from the NFL right now. The NFL started out saying, and I'd like to give a shout out to Sheena Quick because she just did an interview um, with with a Charlotte um, news station where she was pointing out the fact. And I was like, you know what? She's right. The NFL came out immediately and said that there was no basis to what he his claims and all of these other things. But then as the media tries the NFL or people are talking about what's going on in the league, you know, now, you know, you get to hear from the commissioner himself and he's specifying, Oh, we've got to do more work. Oh yeah, for sure. And I just feel like it's one of those things where if he had to let the cycle kind of finish and then be prepared to kind of like, bam, here it is, then that would have made a whole lot more sense. And then it's like, also, this is, we have to remind people, this is a class action lawsuit. So although someone, and I'd like to point this out, okay, for the record, <laughs> let me get, let me get in the paint real quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had posed a question about um, why or why not he didn't, you know, hire a black or brown attorney to be a part of his legal team. And one of the things that someone pointed out was that the legal team that he had, and I did my research before I even posed this question, let me put that out there, um, had already won, you know, class action lawsuits against Macy's and some other people and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, so, and my biggest thing is, is in those situations, you have more than one person willing to come to the table and fight against Macy's or whomever it is that's, 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 that's implicated in the, in the lawsuit, the NFL, you about to be out here by yourself. You're about to be out here playing survivor, <laughs> literally um, on the island, trying to figure out if someone is willing to come and come be a part of what you're going through on the island by yourself, literally. And I hate to pose it like that, but it's more in a sense of, yeah, the other coaches may, might've complained to him as well. They might've given him text messages and emails so that he can you know, beef up his, his complaint. But guess what? In the court is literally going to be like, okay, so where's everyone else? You know, it's, 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 like your proof, come on, you got, you gotta, you gotta have people that are willing to really give you some hardcore things where it proves racism, where it's literally like almost blatant. I know, you know, the coach or the owner of the team told me specifically I wasn't hired because I was black, you know, like that type of thing. Cause a lot of things can be insinuated. A lot of situations, especially the one with him and, um, with Flores and, um, Stephen Ross. Uh, Stephen Ross, as well as John Elway. Now that John Elway, <laughs> baby. Um, yeah, I believe that happened. Honestly, I do 100%. But what I will say is, is that there's ways you can really, like, 
that's almost he, he say she say you know what i'm saying like yeah. you have, like in the court the courts is not gonna be that day he would have had to get a, a john elway probably would have had to have a dui or something like that. you get what i'm saying where there's other people that know that you know yes he was intoxicated while he was speaking to him and things of that nature so it's like you, you've gotta have proof yeah and that was one of the things you know that and Dan, in his full disclosure, and he made sure he, people knew this, he works for the firm that represented Colin Kaepernick, mm-hmm. with the Garagos and Garagos. That's where he that's yeah. where he works. Yeah. But he was not involved in that case, obviously. But he that's where he works. So I think, and I think that there to draw the compare draw a comparison, Collins was an individual suit. Mm-hmm. It was about yes. him. Yes. Yes. And one of the points that we emphasized was that Colin had waited multiple yes. hiring cycles. Yes. And you saw inferior players to him there was in jobs. There were yes. people kept getting hired and hired that he could demonstrate. I'm better than that guy. Right. I'm better than that guy. I'm better than right. that guy. And the right. league could not. And this is pr- why there's a settlement. And, and, and right. we can't guarantee this, but why I would firmly believe the settlement is, is the league knew that the longer discovery went on, the longer conversations right. were had, that there was going to touch enough people that somebody was going to say, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was an effort to, we all understood that you didn't hire Kyle. That, exactly. And so in this case, Brian Flores is hoping to get that same type of discovery. Uh-huh. But I think he, he jumped the gun in that regard For to sure. not have, like you said, the, I think the greater symbol is to go past the Super Bowl. Yes. Eric Bieniemy doesn't get a job. Yep. You don't see Byron Leftwich get a job. Yep. You don't see um, uh, these defensive coordinators that, that across the league. You don't see any of these guys get jobs, but you see a Josh McCown maybe who finished just finished coaching high school football and him walking to the job with the Texans. Yes. Or you watch a special teams coach get interviewed and take a job where they told you that coordinators mattered and all these things. Mm-hmm. Well, you then, yeah. had to, it's, it's, and, and to me, you know, the biggest point that you pointed out that you guys pointed out there was that Colin did it for him. Like, and it's not just for him. It was for the sake of, yeah, if I'm going to be, be this person that goes out here and basically, you know, put my career on the line, it's going to be me, you know, and it's not necessarily where he, he could have ganged up with a couple of other people, I'm sure, um, to kind of prove a point. But he said, it's, I know I have an issue with this. This is what's happening. And then he allowed that time frame to go on. It's hard to sit back and watch people earn the, the ability to do the things that you know you can do in your sleep, that you know that you're overly qualified for, know that you're extremely talented. To me, that's where you have to check your ego. Um, And knowing that, yes, to me, I feel like also, um, the way that Flores went about this was more so a group effort, right? But you kind of need more than just you up front too, right? Yeah, like if you had... All those guys standing behind or side to side with you then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and literally that's why, you know, the, the article we were you were referencing earlier. That's a great point for it to be this media thing. Let it play out in the media, per se, and then see what the NFL is going to do. Now, mind you, 
you know, you would think the NFL would have gotten the hint by now, you know, especially with dealing with Colin Kaepernick and his situation and actually thinking about it and applying it to the hiring of coaches in this league. But clearly they didn't get it. You know, they um, I will say as far as like the hiring of coaches, we see, we've seen more women get hired um, and we've seen a black woman get hired, you know, things of that nature. So but to me. This is where, you know, Flores would have had to check his ego and wait for that cycle to kind of go through so that he could have said, you know, this person didn't get hired, that person didn't get hired. Let me bring this person up here. Let me bring this person up here. And it's not just going to be him at the forefront talking about what was done to him in a class action lawsuit. That's why a lot of times in a class action lawsuits, you never really hear from the from the people who are complaining, because most of the times you can't really get them all in one place. Right. Mm-hmm. So you hear I've been part of a class action suit before. Right. So you hear from the legal team, you know what I'm saying? And so to me, it's like I get why he needed to be up front, but I don't think that that really helps. No. Uh, and here's here's what, what I was refer- referencing earlier. And I think you know what exactly what I'm talking about when I say the imperfect messenger and its history and civil rights. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that Rosa Parks was not the first person to get arrested exactly. for saying no, because the initial young woman, and I hate that I'm not remembering her name right now, but the initial young woman was imperfect because she was an unmarried mother and was seen as not the moral standard for black folks. You had to be perfect morally. The reason Jackie Robinson is the first person to play in the major league was the first person to break the color barrier, the modern color barrier, not and not Satchel Page and not uh, um, Josh Gibson and not a number of players who were better than Jackie Robinson, who Jackie Robinson would have gladly admitted were better than him. Mm-hmm. It's because they didn't have the military background. They didn't have the look. They didn't have the wife. They didn't have all the things that made Jackie Robinson the perfect vehicle for white people to take this in on. Mm-hmm. And we've done this. Several times. I think it's it shows up in our mayors for the longest part of our history. The first black mayor to get elected in a town guaranteed it was a light skinned black person. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's just now that we started to see this wave of dark skinned mm-hmm. black mayors in cities. Mm-hmm. But before it was in first Maynard Jackson in Atlanta. Don't yep. get much lighter than Maynard. Yep. In New Orleans, Dutch Moria, you know what I'm saying? Like, he almost, almost white passing. And then yes. you also have to look at Maynard Jackson, who he was co-mayor or vice mayor up under, well, I'll say vice mayor. Vice mayor is the proper word. He was vice mayor up under Sam Massell at the time. So, you know, he was already within, he was right there. He was in position to take over. So, um, but the person you were referencing before Rosa Parks is Claudette Colvin. Yes. Um, and I just feel like it's one of those things where, again, ego, <laughs> you even if you're not the first even if you are technically the first to kind of jump out there like you've got to think about everyone else included um you've got to be more inclusive on your end hence why my question that i put out there on social media let me try to pull that up while we're talking now is that it was more so like it wasn't beating a dead horse it was literally like i've seen people question this but nobody's getting to an answer that makes sense and my question was you know um you know i really wanted to know why flores doesn't have um any black attorneys on his team to fight against the nfl and maybe i missed it but and you know i had a couple of guys who were just adamant on telling me you know he picked people who had more experience but here's the thing and this is what I know about the legal world, okay? Um, 
you can have the main attorney who is going to litigate, mediate, do all of these things, but you can also have a, a, a partnering firm or a partnering attorney that can join the team to assist with that process. That person can be over communications. That person can come in and handle all of the paperwork. That person can come in and do whatever, even if it's just stand next to Brian Flores, just because the visual itself is impactful. That's what I was trying to get I, you know, some of my followers to kind of understand. And then that's when we received, you know, today that article where that's what, you know, OJ's um, former um, attorney basically said, like, in so many ways, you're advocating and you're wanting, you know, equity, you're wanting inclusiveness, you're wanting more diversity, but you're not reflecting that when you come to the table. So how is it that you think the league is supposed to take you seriously as far as equity and inclusiveness, as well as diversity is concerned, when the people that you have fighting for you look like them? Now, mind you, one of my followers had a really good point in the fact that of, yeah, maybe he thought if he brought the people that look like him to the table, that would help him out. Baby, every NFL league, uh, every NFL player, NBA player has always thought that when they've chosen their agents. It wasn't until you started seeing a rich Paul. You started seeing more of these uh, Demaryius Bilbo in the NFL. Like these people... They are capable of doing these things. It's exactly, you yes. Have, you have to go and go find them. It's you exactly the point. You're exactly, so, but you're exactly stating the whole point of the lawsuit is just that, that people did, did not, the NFL does not go looking and making a deep talent pool. Yes. And, and the OJ case, the reason Carl Douglas understands it so intimately is because Robert Shapiro, who was the original lead attorney for OJ, for those yep. who are too young to remember, Right. It what he wasn't handling the public relations part of that case right at all. Even with Kim Kardashian's father, Rob Kardashian, you again, know yeah, like you he handled four, everything else. There were like they, OJ had at least there were at, like nine. I believe it's yes, nine total. Yes, F. Lee and, Bailey. You had mm -hmm. you had uh, Barry Shank who did the criminology mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, F. Lee Bailey handled the cross examination of the police. You right. had the part that um, you had a. Uh, uh, Kardashian was for the just for the material stuff to, to deal with business for OJ. That's what his exactly. job was. Um, Shapiro was the guy who had the big stuff, who handled big celebrity cases. And we then you brought Patrick. in Johnny and, 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 um, and Carl because they were there because for civil rights cases, nobody was bigger than Johnny. Right. And then um, the one other I'm missing is um, who am I missing? Not Effie Bailey. Who am I missing? There's one more, but I can't remember. Oh, and he had the guy that um, um, who is now um, messed up with Jeffrey Epstein and all that. Uh, you know, right. Uh, uh, but, the big, but the biggest thing about that is, is, you know, that goes back to what I was saying earlier. Wait, you know, mm -hmm. kind of do 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 the research and find someone. They might not have the power like this firm that he of, of people that he knows that he knows has experience, has won against people like Macy's and whatever. Um but my biggest thing is, is like, take the time to go and find that person or find that firm, bring them on. And when you do that, what that does is, is if you were capable of finding somebody that also points a hole in what the league is going to bring to their table. Um, I feel like a lot of times with the league, it's almost like a band-aid. 
you know, but it's a bandaid over a scab that somehow when you take the bandaid off, you start picking with the scab and then you need another bandaid for it. Right. And I feel like for the league, the Rooney rule, we all know that thing does not work. <laughs> it just, it just, it, it was a quick fix. In my opinion, it was to deal with some issues at that time in the league. And I honestly feel like a lot of times when leagues have to adjust their rules and create those type of things in the league, they should revisit that shit every I mean, five years. We know the Rooney rule was literally a response to another Johnny Cochran lawsuit, 2002. It yes. literally was because Johnny was ready to sue the league in federal court at that time. And this is right before he died. Remember, he didn't die. It was much, wasn't much longer after that he died, but he was ready to sue the league then. The next year, here, 2003 is when you are, mm-hmm. Here you are, the visual of having a black attorney come for you because you're not hiring people that look like him. I mean, look, we can hang it up because another thing for, I think one or two people might've commented under my thing. Why did the attorneys have to be black? Because he's Honduran. And I'm like, okay, I know that. But again, he's speaking for a collective and he identifies. (laughs) So I'm just saying, it's like, you know, it, it was right there. And to me, that was the the later, you know, revelation where it was like, I read everything before I said anything. I had a bunch of people jumping in my DMs asking me what I thought if I wanted to get on an interview or talk. I said, no, not yet, because I hadn't read any everything. I needed to read the lawsuit itself. I read that thing from top to bottom, back from bottom to top made notes, highlighted. I printed it. I have it, you know, and it's one of those things where, I I want him to, I want him to win. I want him to succeed at at making them see themselves and them try to fix what's going on. But the thing about it is, is it's like, this is going to be a fight and he has to be willing to quite possibly deal with this going into the next season, quiet as it's kept, because I honestly feel like within a lot of these situations, some people tend to think that if they sue somebody like the NFL or if they jump at the NFL and jump in the media per se, that it'll just blow up over and they'll want to settle during the summer. That's not what's going to be the case because the NFL, if they are actively trying to see what they can do about what's going on after their assessment or after the investigation made on the league, then I feel like they're going to take the time to start creating some changes. And then they're going to want to try to go back and forth with him. You get what I'm saying? Because they're not going to settle that easy. They, they're just not. They're not going to look. First, I'm gonna say this every t- every time somebody says, you know, they yes, you're attacking an institution. You're not attacking Macy's. You know what I'm saying? Right. You're not you're not going after a store. You're going right. after an American institution. Right, right. A literal extension of American policy. Uh-huh. A, an organization that is worth billions of dollars that is connected to the military, that is connected to the highest parts of business and government. There is a reason that the NFL is protected as it is. Come on. And to me, you might be able to get some money. You might. Mm-hmm. You might get, but there's a big difference between Colin saying you did this to me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and proving that you that as a business, mm-hmm. we are intentionally doing this to all y'all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the burden is really high proof. Mm-hmm. of doing this because i'm gonna tell you what would have really and this is a stretch and i haven't seen anybody point this out and i was saving it for this now i could be wrong somebody else might have said it but it wasn't on my timeline so forgive me 
But what what if Ben, oh, he means he might mean business for real, for real, is if he would have gotten in the room and I'm not saying that he didn't do this. I'm not saying that his legal team didn't try to do this. So let me just put that out there. But if Flores had have gotten in the room with Jay-Z and said, hey, listen, I'm getting ready to possibly sue <laughs> the league um, in a class action lawsuit. Here are the other coaches at the table with me. You know, this is what I have. You know, what what are you look, what would you try to help us with as far as communicating with the league? Because let me let me be honest with you. <laughs> What he's supposed to be doing with the league, I don't really see it. Now, mind you, I feel like so then, then why go to him? Why go right. to someone who you know is a tool of the of the system? But here's the thing: you go to him to flex to use that tool because that tool is technically supposed to be there to do something like that. Now, uh, uh-uh, wait. So if you did go to him and he didn't say anything, then that's one more person that you have to address in the midst of this because honestly but he doesn't have any power in this it doesn't it doesn't matter about i don't think power. it helps your case at all if jay-z it, does nothing I don't, it helps I'm not nothing talk, i'm not talking about in the courthouse i'm talking about in media i don't I'm even think it helps about, in the media because i don't think that the there are media. many people who who at this point believe jay-z has any intention of helping black people but, you, in that but job. you would be surprised you would be surprised because i don't think you remember when he got put on to do what he's supposed to be doing with the league and so many people were like oh he's playing chess not checkers and blah 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 well he he playing with something that ain't got nothing to do with our communities so that's what i'm saying it's to me it would be a complete waste of time to go talk to, to him because it's, you all you're doing that. is sleeping with the enemy I, but but here's the other thing. There's a way you sleep with the enemy. You like they always say, keep your enemies close and your friends. <laughs> I mean, your friends close and your enemies closer. In my opinion, it would have been something where he can have this conversation. He doesn't have to give him all the cards that he's dealing. He can put the coaches in front of him that that are making this complaint. But if you're supposed to be in a position of being able to speak to the league or to the commissioner and do all of these things, well, let us let us kind of flex that tool with you. Where, real quick, what do you? Think Thing. And if you don't think something, then okay, we just gone back to the drawing board. That's how I feel about that. I just would have, I think to me, I think it's one of those things where you have to exhaust every option no, that no, you no. Have. because no. even in that sense, just, you have weight. Do you have a woman who tried to get hired by the league and did not get hired? No, that's not what you're trying to prove here, though. So you're trying to you're making it way broader than it should be. What you're mm-hmm. trying to prove is that there is a historic bias against hiring black coaches in the NFL. That's what you said, is that there's a historic bias against hiring black coaches in the NFL and that you want okay, to but if, but if there are that. black women who put up for those jobs. That's stuff that comes out through your, that come they would either have to join and that's why you tried to do this as a class action. But I don't go tell anybody that in the league. Oh no, 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 no. I'm not saying that he's telling him that. But even that woman, even her goal, she's not the best thing either. She's not the best case in this either. It has to be people like I said, it's a she would be another flawed agent because nobody's for me. But for me. You, this is where you wait for the cycle because you would have had to go back and there was no black woman up for a head coaching job this year. 
Well, not, I'm not saying this year. I'm not saying this year. When I'm was a black woman ever considered for it? We just now getting assistant co- women assistant coaches. Yeah. So there's yeah, no cool. historical bias that you can demonstrate. All women, women can throw their own class action suit if they want to. They but, have insurance, you can say. But in but this case, you're talking about black people. know that there has never been. But it doesn't matter if she's a woman in this case. That's the I whole point. It. It's about systemic racism, not mm-hmm. systemic sexism. So why are we trying to mix the, the, the mix here? Okay. If you want to have a case okay. about systemic sex, but you can't prove all that in court at one time. You can't walk into court and prove all that. Because I don't think even in this case, the bar is so high. My honest thing yeah. is, nothing is going that, to change. I can agree with you this on This is the thing. Sure. There's nothing short of, because mm-hmm. it didn't, nothing changed in Washington. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nothing is going to change in Washington. Yeah, We've seen this with the Washington football team. You, you, we, we, nothing's going to happen to Stephen Ross. That, just like that, nothing man, happened, nothing that's happened. That's a hot mess. But nothing's going to happen. Just like nothing happened to um, uh, Robert Kraft when he was caught in sex trafficking, going mm-hmm. to a massage. Did anything happen to him? Did he lose anything? We've had, we've, we've been had stuff with Jerry Jones saying racial things. You're right. telling me John Gruden is the only person still in the entire league who said anything racist and got fired? So you know, we know we that. We see the emails, the email. So, but we will never see those emails. And right. we will never see any of this stuff. And that's the thing ultimately to me is unless you get federal action, mm. like to me, this is the only way you're going to get the NFL to change is through congressional action. Is mm-hmm. if, the, if the Congress says, we're taking this from you, we're taking this from you, all these things that you enjoy, your municipal exemptions, all these things, you can't have, if they did all of that, and it hurt yeah. their wallets, then maybe they'll change. But yeah. the NFL is not going to change because of this lawsuit. I don't believe yeah. that. I don't yeah. believe you. And I think ultimately the question becomes then, how many times do we keep asking institutions that are not willing to change? Because yeah. at most they will do some superficial mm-hmm. change. And they might, be, they might add a couple people here and there. They might sprinkle some pepper, just like the NBA does. Hmm. Because the NBA got us fooled into thinking that they don't have a problem, but they got yeah. the problem too. Yeah, it's just sure. a different flavor. Yeah, and, and I just baseball. feel like it's, but I just feel like in general, it's one of those things for us as media members as well too to kind of really look at everything. Not like, and I, I think I said this one when I responded to the guy who sent what, what's this guy's name because I hate saying that um, without making note of who he is. Um, Kenneth Shropshire, thank you for that article. I think it's from audacy.com. But I feel like as media members, we already have a hard enough job in actively working in these leagues and reporting on games as well as these issues. And these issues a lot of times involves, you know, people that look like us. And for us to do our jobs effectively, we have to always pose these other questions. We have to always look at these other things. And in general, the we I know it's a system. I know, I know exactly what this case is for, but we always have to consider other things. We always have to consider, you know, who else could have stepped up to say something? Who else could have commented on this to tell the league that they need to do better? Mind you, yeah, it might not be worth a drop in a bucket 
trust. But the point is, is that you start drawing more eyes to this and then you start turning the wheel. Now, what the league has to to put together, they actively are allowing someone to come from the outside to come in to investigate and give them a report. Now, what I feel like they should be doing technically is really talking to the people that they've had to do business with. But you're asking, hold on, I got to pose this to you because what you're saying, I got to stop you right there. Go ahead. What you're saying, you are uh, operating under the intent that the league wants to do something here other than something pu- public relations. I am being you optimistic. Oper- you, what, uh, so I'm asking you, as from that position. And I know people can't what, see me, but my eyes are rolling. What reason, <laughs> what reason presently or historically do you have to say that the NFL gives you reason to be optimistic that they will actually make a structural change to the way that they do business? Okay, moving on. So, um, <laughs> so then that's my question. So when okay. do, we, do we continue to ask for this? We ain't got no choice because there's a lawsuit there. You get what I'm saying? So at this point, we've got to deal with what's in front of us right now. And, and what's in front of us right now is a clash action lawsuit that should make them want to make a change, that should make them want to go back and review their standards, protocols, rules, or what have you. The Colin Kaepernick thing make them do that? No. Did the Johnny Cochran lawsuit actually make them do that? No. So that's why, again, I ask thee, what makes you think this time is going to be different? Because they just went through this where they found the culture in Washington to be this terrible, sexist. You got women getting taking videos without their uh, consent and showing these things around. And but in regards only person to that, got ten million dollars. Yeah, but in regards John, to that, in regards to that. I, I'm going to say this and I'm going to stand behind this. And I know it, if somebody picks up this, 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 this bit right here, they're going to run with it. But in regards to the situation in Washington, those women were disposable. Those people that they looked at that and was like, okay, whatever, because how many times have we seen domestic violence just run rampant through the league? But are we not disposable not- too? Huh? Say it are again? there not are there not thousands more blacks with in the league's eyes that are waiting to fill those spots? So are yep. we not disposable too? Because Colin yes, Kaepernick didn't stop black but folks from wanting to play in the NFL. Colin Kaepernick if, didn't get you still got dudes like Des Bryant out here talking about what did Colin Kaepernick do for anybody? <laughs> <laughs> but at this point, I feel like that's that's that goes back to what we were saying in the beginning of this conversation. He chose to make this announcement during Black History Month. This, like that might not seem like anything. And yes, that was for all of us. It was like, oh, OK. Um, but it's one of those things where if you're calling them out, call them out accordingly. And I think he is they're intentionally doing this the way that they're trying to do it to get them to make a change. So, there, yes, I agree with you. There's nothing there that proves to me that they are wanting to make a change. But I'm going to be that you know, black African-American, I'm gonna say black African-American because I am all those things, where I'm gonna say, maybe today is the day. Maybe tomorrow might be the day. Maybe before this 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 suit is settled, it'll this'll be the day that the league tries to make an adjustment or a change. Maybe. And that's a strong maybe, all caps with a exclamation mark at the end. <laughs> because wow. because at the because we have to there's again as media members we have to be able and we learn this because we disagree with a lot of people on social media we disagree with a lot of things that are being shared and done but 
a lot of times we have to have the facts there. And like you called it, there's no precedence here for this. And I get it. And that's fine. But there, but the precedence can be set now. And, you know, something can be done now. I feel like every turn that we should also be mindful, just in general, that we have to give people the ability to grow. Roger Goodell, maybe not so much. But the thing about it is, is what I've seen what I've seen, especially with them hiring more women as coaches, right, in that space, what I've seen is there has been some intention. Now, people can't see this, but I'm holding up my my thumb and my... We have fewer fingers. Black coaches Very today small. than there were when, the like, in 2002. We had two yep. then. We have one now. Yep. We have two then. We have one now. And you the thing about it is, is the talent... The talent in college football, I can I can give you five. But it's, five it's, coaches. There's you're talking about five. There's five. But it, this is the whole thing. That, but I'm saying that are ready. But like, it doesn't matter about ready. See, that's the whole thing for us. It's always that's the falseness of this whole conversation about ready. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing. We we don't. Oh have, no, I'm talking. I'm I'm not talking about just ready, just based off of experience and things like that. I'm talking about ready for a call. But I'm not, I'm not talking about that either. I'm not talking about that either. I'm saying we have to always keep telling folks that we have people who are talented and qualified. Da, 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 da. White people don't have to do that. And that's what that's what ultimately this is comes down to. Yeah. Is what black people want is the same things that, that white people get mm-hmm. is the ability to not have to be exceptional mm-hmm. to get an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Because there are a lot of unexceptional, and most coaches are going to be unexceptional. That's why yeah. most coaches gonna get fired, right? But this is ultimately about black people. Like we always had to talk about, look how exceptional Brian Bienemy. I mean, um, Eric Bienemy is, and why hasn't he gotten a job? Look at how exceptional Brian Flores is. Why hasn't he gotten yeah. a job? Yeah. But yeah. look at how mediocre so many of these white guys are that do yeah. get jobs. Yeah. And we have so, no so, avenue so to that. my question for you then. If we're, if we're not telling them that, if we're not reminding them that, which we shouldn't, I agree, um, then what do we do in the event that they don't make a change? Where, where would, we, That's where would the, the coaches question. go? That's absolutely the question. It's like, are we going, because if they're, where are they going now? You know what I'm saying? Like, so what do we decide eventually? Mm-hmm. And this is a real question to ask. And I don't have the answer yet because mm-hmm. it, it, what it requires is something that maybe a level of resolve that we don't have right now. Yeah. That we haven't gotten to that yeah. point. Yeah. Because at some point, and I, I, you know, I remember Larry Johnson with the Knicks when the last time there was a lockout and he said, maybe it's time we start our own league. Mm. And that's a scary thing. Mm-hmm. But are we willing to do these things when when you start asking questions like how so you see startup? You, you see, so all I, these start, no, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I can tell you now, probably not. You know, it's it, because it takes a lot of organizing. You got to look at how that system is ran. Like, and that's something that we as journalists, we get to find out in the ins and outs. And that's how we can report what we know um, about the league and moving forward. But I feel as if that that wouldn't be an answer. That wouldn't be, you know, the, the capability unless they have, you know, someone like a Robert Smith, who it's been rumored that he's getting ready to possibly purchase the Denver Broncos, you know, this but I'm saying, do you want to stay in the NFL? Because there's no way to get six. We don't have the ability to get 18 owners in the NFL. 
You know that. You know that. We don't have the ability to get 20 owners <laughs> in the NBA. We don't. We don't. So, so are we going to keep chasing something that we can realistically, and I'm, I'm being real here, <laughs> something that we will never have in a space that was not built for us, we'll never have equity in there. So, we will never have equity inside the, the, the halls of power in the NFL or the NBA or Major League Baseball. So at, is there a point of maybe we go to create our an additional subsystem that benefits us? I would I would like to see us do that, but that would take the whole collective to join to do that. And even in this situation, we see where ego separates from you know the collective and so that just goes back to a point where i said earlier agreeing with you all on the previous statements made on previous episodes on this issue it's literally like had he had of waited had he had of done a little more digging on certain certain things regarding this particular um class action lawsuit it would have seemed as if he was moving the people forward because you know essentially but people, because Colin, we uh, we got we rallied behind him because we knew what that was about. We knew we saw it real time. Mind you, we see this too, but this is more about a collective, you know. It's but all I see is you, you know. All I see is him, you know, per se. So it's it's one of those things where then it's a matter of how do you make sure that these other coaches behind you right they are coaching in college football that are at some of these top high school programs across america um that could be a little league coach that quiet as is kept he's just too smart but probably doesn't really want to dream beyond his hometown like because there are some men out there that are really really good at what they do and they don't see where it would work for them to try to go a level up like, how do you get back to reach them? How do you get back to coach them through the process? Because that's another way where if it doesn't work out for you, if it doesn't happen for you, you go back and you find out how to make it happen for somebody else. Because yes, although he might not be the, the perfect uh, messenger for this, <laughs> but he could, he could light a flame. He could start something. He could continue it because of course we've got Rooney Rule. We might have Flores rule or some some shit, maybe stretching it a little bit here. Sounds good. But if we don't have it, then guess what? These other coaches are paying attention to what's going on if they want to get to the league, if they want to make it to this next level. So and if that- they don't want to make it to this next level, then they've all got to come together and figure out how all of them are going to make sure that they're all good on whatever level they want to be on. But it, like, I guess that's the question. Mm-hmm. Is or do we have to keep accepting the fact that the NFL is the only place to go? Do we have to keep buying into this idea? And this is see, this is the part of the brainwashing we got, of this. We got the, we got the USFL. Uh, let me. Here's what I'm saying. Because this is like the brainwashing of these brands, whether it's like we have been conditioned at all. The yeah, that's why the USFL. That's why the, the XFL. Whatever you want to have. Uh huh. You can create your space. We have seen you can that these folks are willing to create it, but they're what they are trying to do is fight against the NFL. Mm-hmm. If you so want a lot to create of a space that is not about fighting against the NFL, if you want to say right. we want to play football, we want to control the money in regards to football, we want to have black coaches and black executives, you are doing something other than trying to build something that is co- competing for against the NFL. The NFL is never going to be your competition. 
See, that's the thing. The NFL is never, if you wanted to have a place where you're going to be empowered, if you're trying to create something that's parallel to something that doesn't want you, you're never going to succeed. But if you're building something that you say, the fundamental of this, it's not an all black league, but it is a league that we are in, in making sure that there's, that there's black ownership on every team. We're making sure that black people part of executives in every team. We're making sure there's black coaches on every team. We're making I mean, sure there's representation. I mean, if, they, if they did that next week, they did that March, this summer, fall. I'd sign up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm for it. But again, that's going to collective will. It's going to have to be the collective that wants to do it. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like, you know, more times than not, you know, we're put in situations where we're fighting for, you know, the collective, whether it be by ourselves, whether it be together. And, you know, we hadn't even thought that far. Right. And so I feel like at this point, we have to just wait and see. And that's that's the part that I don't like waiting and seeing, because a lot a lot of us are going to have opinions and things like that, which I'm so grateful that you're using your platform to kind of push you know, people to think more beyond this of what, of what we're seeing in some articles, because there are a lot of publications that are playing this shit safe. Mm-hmm. And they're doing that because they're not trying to rub the league the wrong way. And I think that's why a lot of black journalists have come up to speak on this issue. And I, I applaud every last one of us that are doing those things, because if you're not comfortable with receiving the critique or criticism from those of us who work in your league, and we have to sit back and watch sometimes what's happening it's like there's there's really something wrong with you um and i think that's in any industry if we're going to be 100 mm-hmm. so for me at this point that sit and wait figure out what's going to happen see what what comes out of discovery see what comes up you know what i'm saying because pretty i'm pretty sure right now if there's something else that he has it should be either be coming out this week or right after the super bowl and if it drops and it's one of those bombs, then it's one of those things where he's going to have the front office scrambling. And I think that that's why, you know, we got to think about those times when um, Rooney Rule and Johnny Cochran filing that uh, lawsuit or what have you. Social media really wasn't prominent during that time. And I feel like a lot of times with some of the issues of calling out companies now and see people keep calling the NFL a company and I'm it's like an institution it's, it's an institution like what's wrong with you but in comparison to calling out companies you know how black twitters I'm a, I'm a proud member I might be secretary of black twitter but anyway um <laughs> how how we get behind you know lay you wrong for this we're gonna call you out here go the receipts here's the facts here's what we want you to do we have our main points the NFL is a hell of a drug huh the NFL is a hell of a drug. And so I just, I, you know, I just think it's, I think it's going to be one of those things where if it doesn't just get completely dismissed and he's really given an opportunity to take this to court um, and to deal with this in court um, and it's not going straight to mediation or straight to settlement, then I really feel like the NFL has no other choice but to make those adjustments because by then you're going to probably hear from some congressional people who are going to step up and say, okay, enough is enough. Because at the end of the day, you also have to realize a lot of their, their dollars are tied into the league as well. So whether they're on the right side or the wrong side, they're going to want this settled before the next season begins. It'll be settled. I I think it'll be settled, but ain't nothing going to change. Ain't nothing going to change. It's not going to change because, look, 
we've been doing this dance right. with the, the NFL with the, with this country. Mm-hmm. We yep. thought we thought in 20, 2020, summer twenty twenty, what we thought. Listen, all those companies, summer twenty twenty, what we thought. They said they was gonna do this, that, and the third. A year later, crickets. So crickets. It, we were easily forgettable. We were easily forgettable. And Brian Flores, I hope you know there are very there are a few times when it's worked. Um, those black men did not benefit from it though, ultimately. And I, you know, when I talk about um, <clears throat> you talk about Kurt Flood, uh-huh. you know, and his fight killed him. It made him an alcoholic. He lost his family. You know, the, Kurt Flood lost his way of life. He died. He should have been, he should be in the baseball hall of fame right now. Um, that man lost everything just to fight for his dignity as a man and right, say that right. I, I should get to determine in my life, whether or not you can just send me somewhere, you know, guys like Spencer Haywood, who, you know, made sure that the that guys could today. And I've gotten the pleasure of interviewing Spencer Haywood. He told me, he said, everyone of these cats who leaves at college early owes me a check because, yeah. you know, because they, there's no hardship rule without me. And he's, right, right. he had to fight for that for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Flores, I hope he understands. I hope he really understands because he says he's prepared to lose it all. Uh-huh. Brother, I, Brother, I, I hope you do. really understand yeah. What it but means, here's the thing. but here's the thing: the, the 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 that framing. I need I needed him not to say that out loud. Now, I get it. I get why he pointed that out. I get that's almost that's quiet as it's kept. It's almost like a flag, like like, um, and it almost it almost also shows like his dedication to it as well. But I don't need to hear that you're gonna lose it all because you gotta realize there are civil rights. Most of our people didn't have anything and they were still advocating. They were still out here thinking of the collective and not self. Yes, they might have had the right messenger up front or the right messenger over here on this side. But the thing about it is, is at the end of the day, there was a collective, a collective agreement amongst our people that we want this thing. Right. And so what I would have wanted to hear him say is that. I understand that I may not be able to coach in the NFL anymore after doing this, but I am willing to mentor, to um, educate, to find the next minority coaches that want to work in this league and educate them on the process, educate them on the possibilities, educate them on the realities of being in this league. How, how most of these teams tend to hire our black coaches in the midst of them rebranding or rebuilding. I mean, I don't know if I wanted to hear him say that part. I don't know if I want to keep telling people how to navigate But I'm saying a lot of times, so that goes back to that article where, you know, he was saying, um, uh, Douglas was saying um, that you, in order to know how to play the game, you've got to, you got to be in the game and all of that. You've got to embrace it. You've got to understand that part. Yeah. That was the part where you lost. That'll rub a lot of people the wrong way, but guess what? That still applies today. It does, but does, but we keep saying that, but we have not seen this alleged change from playing alone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where is this alleged change from playing along? We have oh, all been the good soldiers. Look, I could, 
Look, We've all been to go so look, in this situation right here, I can't speak for nobody else, but it has helped me tremendously. Okay. In in various industries that I've worked in, from the medical industry to the legal industry to sports industry to now more so full-time, you so know. We know individual um, success does not mean structural opportunity. I, I get that, but in the structural system where I've got to play the game and make it work, it has helped other people. And I've actively seen it to where they didn't have to go through what I went through because I made sure that that happened. But us so saying, I, but, I, but you didn't have, you can't say, say it out loud though. You can't huh? say that out loud at the company. So two of them I did. So that's me. <laughs> but, but again, <laughs> like you, you, that's, again, you're talking I, some very rare situations for some more black person exactly, to say, I'm going exactly. to teach I'm people so how to navigate this thing and we're going to figure out how to get up in look, here. And I'm special. Cool but, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, but, but again, but again, you know, everybody doesn't think like that. And so again, this goes back to what you were saying as far as, you know, what what is the end goal of this? What 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 are the real intentions of making this happen? Getting the buzz around it. Okay, you got the buzz. Now what? What are we waiting on? There's, like, there's never going to be. There's not a number. You can't settle on a number. What you gonna say? We want ten coaches every year. You can't settle on a number because I want all of them. You know what I'm saying? On. Like I want to. I want a shot at all thirty two. So don't tell me if because if it's 10, they're gonna keep it at 10. Exactly. That'll so be the cap. That'll if I don't, if it's so if I don't want a number, what do I want? And that part is the part that to me means that makes it nearly impossible for the NFL to ever really do anything real because they'll throw in, like the reaction is always grab a couple real quick, boom, 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 boom. But then five years, what do we see? Those numbers go back down, just like we're looking at right now. We had that peak period where you had maybe about six or seven black coaches in the NFL. Yeah. Back to one. I remember that. Those were the glory days. So, I mean, you know, and we're talking about glory days and we ain't had black coaches in the league for 40 years yet. We haven't even gotten to the point for 40 years we've had head coaches who are black. So if we, if that's the case, right. what ultimately, yeah, I, Bro, and you might get some point, money. You might get some this, money. But and at this point, at, at this point, then it's a matter of we've reached our peak. So yet again, it goes back to what you're what you're saying, like what's next. So I think that that's the next part of the conversation is figuring out how do you move past this this lawsuit? How do you move past, you know, the likelihood of it not holding any weight because of, you know, maybe the lack of proof, the lack of evidence and things of that nature. So um, but even if you can prove it. You know what? Because there, because because at the end of the day, here, here's the, here's what I t- here's what I do believe. So outside of Roger Goodell, so I you know for for some reason this man he knows he, he knows something he's got something on somebody he's not going nowhere. Okay, and in the event that he doesn't go anywhere, and the fact that these owners are capable of making these decisions on their own in their spaces, then it's also a matter of like fans stepping up and saying that they're not going to do something. But we all know how that's going to go. It's going to be a matter of corporate sponsors to step up and say that they're not going to put money into this. Then it's going to it's going to come down to the economics of things. So if the economics is not added, if the math ain't mathing, then it's still going to be business as usual. And it still can strongly be business as usual with the math, math and 
and they make a rule or they make a change and they hire, lo and behold, next season, we get a good six head coaches, okay? But before the season's over, three of them get fired. I was going to say, by 2025, <laughs> it'll be right back to one. Exactly. Because so, then the, the, the attention's so, gone. So so now it's, it's how do you hold this institution accountable when we can't even hold police accountable for, for killing people that look like us every day? And the people who hold the commissioner accountable are the owners, and we are not at that table. We are not at that table. And we there's you got one in the NBA. You got zero in the NFL. You got zero in Major League Baseball. So. Ultimately, that's that's the thing is that's in in all these cases, Mm -hmm. ultimately, like you said, if the damage isn't real to the NFL, you might get damages from them and they might say, yeah, we got to give you some money and we got to do this. And but. Look, we see we, we've seen this is the same country that we've seen them basically overturn the Voting Rights Act. Mm-hmm. OK, we can't get enough. We can't get ourselves protected for the right to vote. Listen, we can't get representation. You talking to somebody, I get easily triggered when someone brings up the voting rights. You Act. know what I'm saying? It's so like, why was that able to be done like that? You get what I'm saying? Like, why? is why do they keep coming up with new ways for voter suppression? Like you should somewhere in somebody's mind, you should just be like, okay, let's just let people vote. Like, <laughs> you know, like at this, why are we consistent? Cause outside of the league, we are fighting for our lives every single day. So now you're exerting extra energy and attention to someone who strongly like probably is not going to really give a damn. And they know because this. It's not meeting their. It's not meeting their bottom line. So Our as long energy. as they have all of these players that are showing up to work, long as these stadiums are filled and open with fans, long as these corporate sponsors checks um are cashed, you know, deposited, direct deposit, whatever. TV checks come in. The game is going to go on, and I think that that's another thing where I want to bring to a point where I saw some people criticizing some black journalists who work in the league, and um asking them, well, if you have so much to say, why do you work in the league? Well, first of all, we don't work for the league. We cover the league. We cover the local team. We cover the players. We cover the fan experience. We cover all of these things that actively are inside of the league, not the league itself. The league in itself is is an institution, okay? Let's start there. Number two, if we're not covering, if we don't have people like me in that press box every Sunday where for the Falcons where I'm looking around and I can count on maybe two to three hand, three fingers, how many people look like me in that press box, then you're going to always get the same regurgitated story where it's the same, same narrative. And if it's about a player that we have a connection to, or we can gain a relationship with, and we know what the real is. Yeah. And ain't nobody going to believe us when we come out and we tell it until mainstream media gets that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and for me, it's important to have us that's playing the game too. Honestly, yeah. 100. Yeah. That's playing the game too, because if that's our way in to make sure that these narratives are broken, that, you know, we challenge the league as a whole, because I think I wrote something. I can't really remember where it was questioning 
the Falcons um, in their season. They had a lot of changes in the front office, and that was understandable, so they're rebuilding, right? But the Falcons, quiet as the camp is rebuilding for like the past four or five years, and I had a conversation with um, with some former Falcons players who literally pointed it out to me. They were like, Don, go back and look at every player on their, on their roster. This is, I'm bringing this to a point. Look at, look at that roster and see how many players are on one-year contracts. I went back and realized that the starting roster, over half of those players were all like on one on, on, on one year contracts. So these people don't know if they're coming back for the season or doing whatever. So, you know, at this point, it's like they're just trying to stay healthy or they're just mm-hmm. trying to do the bare minimum. You get what I'm saying? So, yeah, you have a you're making business decisions. You're you know making what I'm saying? Like, and it's decisions. a business yep. decision and you can't be mad at them for that. But guess what? The average fan doesn't know that. Guess what? The the team itself isn't put it, pushing that narrative out there versus, oh, this player isn't showing up for practice or not showing up for a game and think they should have told me this before they tweeted that. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, come on. If you don't have people like us in some of these spaces and rooms, which you pointed out, we're majorly not in those spaces that these people would be. But in the spaces that we are in, you we need our collective to support that. Yes. We need our collective to understand that if your voice isn't necessarily heard through us, then guess what? We got to figure out how to make that happen. Yes. Because a lot of times with that collective voice, that's where the change comes. If we have enough people calling them out, which we consistently do, but if we have enough people calling them out consistently, kind of meeting them where they are per se, I mean, i.e. Jay-Z, them, you know, whatever, um, then it's a matter of, okay, now what, what, what does the chess game look like? Now, what, what, now whose move is it next? You get what I'm saying? When necessarily, it should always be the league's move. It should always be the league wanting to do something different. And if they're not going to do it, at this point, I'd rather the league just say, you know what, that's not our concern. We're going on. We got to finish out a season. We'll deal with this in the, in during the um, off season. Or well, we won't. I, I don't. If the NFL wants to say it, we don't think we got a problem. If they want to say that, then say and, it. Then live that. Then be real about it. Companies believe that. Companies believe that. I mean, I'm just saying, just keep it real. That. They believe that a lot. And so it's, you know, call it what it is, because what we've seen, especially with, you know, the DEI experts, the diversity, equity and inclusion experts and things like that. A lot of times it's always deemed that it has to be one of us. And I I get it, you know, and it makes sense. But don't just hire just because of that. Like hire because you want them to actually create the change you hire them because you're going to give them the power to make the change because that's where it lies yeah roger goodell might be against something but does he have somebody that's under him that has the power to make some some adjustments with these with these team owners and things of that nature the owners are at the top though ain't nothing changing if but the owners want it to change because goodell serves them yeah yeah he is he works on the people So as long as he's making them money, they're not going to worry about it because he's protecting their interests. That's why you don't see other owners get punished because the owners choose the punishments and they're not going to punish each other. So if they won't punish each other, Mm -hmm. that's why I say the Stephen Ross stuff ain't going nowhere unless the federal government gets involved in it for violating gambling rules. Because if that's the case and you got the gambling industry mad and you mess with their money. Oh, see, that's a problem because they got a lot of money, too. Right. And and it's very hard. It's very hard in in something that I mentioned earlier that I might get, you know, some backlash on. It's very hard to watch like a Stephen Ross and, um, you know, 
also at you know with the Washington football team, you know, with those those things and those issues that have been going on, like it's very hard to watch as a woman see how they treat women as disposable in that situation. To also then go back and look at this situation and say, oh, well, they just getting rid of coaches too, like they're disposable. Or, you know, a player whose narrative doesn't fit the league, oh, that person's disposable. You get you get where I'm going with this? It's like at, at the core of this now, maybe the collective itself has to say, where are we going to go where we matter for real? Not where there's a hashtag, not where there's um, in, in racism, racism in an end zone, all of those things. Like, where do we go for that? You know, it goes right back to what you're saying. And I'm only I'm only circling it back to that because the, that's the next conversation. The next and conversation now, neither one of us has that answer. Right. And the next conversation has to be that. And that has to be posed to someone who's out here fighting a class action lawsuit, someone who's out here who fought against the league and settled. Might, might somebody not who's interested about in being settlement. in the ownership and who got denied. Right. Somebody who wants to, you know, those right. people, are there entrepreneurs who are out there and what is the level? Is it economically feasible? We have to start asking those questions. Shoot, um, you got the Denver Broncos going for like... Um, like I said, I'm talking about buying in. I'm not because you can't buy 32. No, I'm not talking about buying in. What I'm saying is you have the Broncos going up for, I think it was rumored, $4 billion. Who got $4 billion to start a whole league? You get what I'm saying? Like, like let's, let's, where's the collection play? What, what, the Rocks, I mean, what the Rock bought the XFL for like, what, $10 million? Mm-hmm. So, 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 so who, so between $10 million and $4 billion, where the money at? I mean, <laughs> I mean, honestly, look, you could start, let's say you had a 10-team league. And I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, we just, we just 10 team league. You got 53 man rosters, right? That's what the mm-hmm. NFL carries. So you're talking about uh, somewhere. If if you took all the black, like if you took 25, 30% of black players out of the league and they say we're going off somewhere. Mm-hmm. USFL did it, right? They, they, they stole players from they, the NFL. They would be scrambling. You hear me? You know so maybe, like I said, this, this marriage that we have made uh-huh. in our minds that professional football means the NFL, that professional basketball means the NBA, that professional baseball means MLB. Well, those are their narratives. They've told us that we bought into that. So at any point in time, financially, and again, we have to decide because we made that decision as journalists too. What is our level to live at? What's reasonable for me? What am I willing to give up in my control over Mm -hmm. my content? Uh Uh-huh. And we've taken our checks at certain times to, and we know I've given up this mm-hmm. for, for this certain level of protection. Mm-hmm. But over in this space, I'm going to do what I damn well please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so at what level, and I think you're absolutely right, this is the next phase of this conversation now is, what do we really want mm-hmm. and who's capable of giving it to us? Because right. if it's not the NFL, and how if it isn't the courts, that? then how where do you get it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I think if that's what comes from this, because I don't believe that there's going to be a monumental structural change to the NFL at the end of the day. But if that's what comes from this, a broader discussion and understanding of a real purpose going forward. And we stop saying these. And I, I think and I'm not I'm not talking just to other people. I'm talking to me, too, because we got to make these decisions, too. Yeah. Are we willing? Am, am I willing to give up the NFL? Am I willing to give up these things that I've been Listen. doing my whole life? To move in so, a different direction. 
you know, I've been saying this all season long. Like I, I feel like because I've been in the industry for 10 years now, probably a little more than that unofficially, but officially 10 years, it's like, especially in the college football world. Okay. I get very, very sad being in those spaces, being the only black person majority of the time. And I've helped other people, you know, gain their footing um, or the entrance into the sports industry that way. Um, so I'm very proud of that, but it's very hard when you have to continually step out and still see the same thing that you saw when you first came into, you know, um, a league or, you know, an industry as a whole. So for me, it's been one of those things where, you know, I'm going back and forth. Like, I know I've got to go and cover the Super Bowl. And it's like, I'll sit up here now. If I was to run across Roger Goodell, I'm going to ask him all the questions, which is why I'm probably not going to run across him because I've never ran across him during the past four or five Super Bowls I've covered. But the fact of the matter is, is being in those spaces really make you question like, okay, I understand what I'm doing in regards to the collective. Well, this is for me because we know a lot of people are doing this for self. They Mm -hmm. like being seen. They like being on site, whatever. And that applies any race journalist, right? But for me, for us, black people, okay, black and brown minority people, I need us to be more mindful about how we're reaching back to find somebody, two or or three more people to kind of jump up and do what we're doing, right? And so that's been the hard thing is that this season, I didn't have any, um, I had like maybe two mentees um, and they weren't in the city. So I couldn't actively bring them where I was at or whatever, but I made sure they could do what they could do where they were. Um, but in general, it's like one of those things where it's almost like, okay, I think I'm tired of this. I think I'm tired of seeing it. I think I'm tired of, uh, making that effort. I enjoy the game. I love football. You know, ever since I was Grace's age, I was playing football with the boys all the time. Um, and you know, I've seen some shifts. There are more girls playing football in high school, little league, all of that. There are more women who are being hired as, you know, assistant coaches, coordinators and things of that nature on all levels. And I just feel like, you know, from a media standpoint, there's still not enough of us in these spaces. And then I know a lot of times the institution itself, they limit us from being in those spaces. But one of the things that I tell people, you know, and maybe somebody will say something about it when I pass away, knock on wood. Um, But the way I created my sports blog that ended up becoming a sports media company, one of the things that I earned early was like the trust of universities, programs, power five schools. I still couldn't tell you a method and how I did that besides showing up authentically myself, right? Mm-hmm. And reporting on sports like that. But we applied that same thing to the league. And we were able to get credential for various things outside of maybe the games or a few games here and there during the season, not necessarily covering the whole team the whole season and blah, blah, blah. What that did was is by the time we got to a media outlet, right? Moving from fans favorite fan to the Atlanta voice. By the time that two that year, 2017, got them credentialed to cover the Falcons. Mind you, they had been covering the Falcons before, but not like this. Consistently showing up in the press box, meeting people offsite, you know what I'm saying? So that their team ownership, um, Arthur Blank knows who we are. So, you know, it's one of those recognition, those type of things. That was something that we learned how to do 
on one level and was able to take it to another. And I'm saying that because it's literally like from 2017 specifically to, to now this year, I'm like, oh my God, none of this shit has really changed. Yeah, I've seen more black women actually reporting on sports. But there's few but, of us, though, few men. There's fewer men. Right. And I'm just like, what in the world is going on? So it's, you know, again, goes back down to what you're saying. You know, are we ready to give this completely up? Because even during the boycott, and, you know, I think I boycotted for a short period of time. And then I got asked by um, a city sports commission to assist with the Super Bowl. And my back and forth was going on that was they're asking a black woman from another city to come in and talk to them about their fan experience of their city because I have that capability. I have that expertise. It wasn't a check. It was the impact. And that impact for their seat for that year that they had the Super Bowl, because it was a process. Usually these cities know in advance when they're going to get the Super Bowl. So nine to the 10, they're looking for consultants as well as people to work with their sports commission or city to prepare for the Super Bowl. In the event that they reach outside of the city, that's a true honor and a recognition of the work that you have actually done in the industry, in my opinion. And so to see how impactful that they were when the Super Bowl actually got to them and to understand that majority of their initiatives that they had were things that I was able to sit at a table and talk about, that's huge. But what I was always saying in those meetings, you need more people. I need to, I need to find out who your local people are. I started working with local people and let them handle, you know, whatever needed to be handled. You get what I'm saying? It's like, you have to understand that there's always someone on another level or waiting for that opportunity for somebody to call them up. And if we're going to step out, who are we going to call on that wants to be in this space, that wants to see what's going on? Because a lot of times as journalists, let's talk about this part here. As journalists, we don't even really tell the truth about what's going on in some of these spaces that we're in. But that's the thing is, you know, do we have the collective will to stop playing the game? Because the game is not, we've been playing this, like, the, the what are we winning? Mm. We've been playing the game for survival. Mm. That's why we have played the game. We didn't play the game necessarily for advancement because there's always a hard ceiling at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you there is at some point, no matter what your level of success is, there's going to be a door that you cannot open. Exactly. So, you know, and I made that joke under your thing when you when you when you were again, you were hypothetically postulating. Why didn't he have right. over? And I said, because, you know, it's that same old thing. They think people think their ice is colder, that their water is right, wet. Right. That, and that's forever what we have to deal with when we walk in the room is mm-hmm. that you have to first prove that you are competent to be in the room, let alone like said, why do we res- have to do that to be respected. Mm-hmm. And so is that continually worth it for me and my dignity as a human being? And yes, I have done it for myself and I have done it for others. You know that, you know yes. that, that, yes. that I, you know, and I don't say and none, neither one of us says this to pat us on our, our back because we don't feel like it's something to be patted on the back for. It's an obligation. It's, it's my, it is an obligation and a privilege. 
And I it's think it's an obligation I, and a privilege to help those folks. Right. And I think it's one of those things where that's where I was going with ego versus collective. Like, you know, when you come in and you're doing a job for the collective, yes, ego says, I've been wanting this job since I was blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I've been wanting to work in this league since I was blah, blah, blah. But when you think of the collective, I'm going to be in this space because I'm going to make sure that whoever wants to be in this space, they can be in here too. And if I've got to go through something, then that person won't have to go through those things. Majority of the people that I've helped out have never had to deal with any of the issues that I've had to share with them. Now, in general, that might not be the case for everybody, but for my people, because I told them what was going on, because I went to the company and called them out, or I dealt with people and called them out on site, those things matter in, in, in the collective voice. And I just feel like, you know, for us, especially like when you bring up our mental health, it's taxing. It's so taxing on our mental health to be in these spaces and have to fight to be heard, have to fight for credit. Cause you know, I see people, listen, Hey, we're going to talk about credit, baby. The WNBA Twitter, WNBA Twitter, them folks be fighting over the littlest shit. <laughs> and and I get it, but I think because I've been in this, this side of the industry for so long, it's like, you do realize you got to deal with it, right? Like right. that's kind of, yeah. that's literally kind of what goes with this. Like nobody's going to always know that you broke something first because you may not be on their radar. You may not be on their timeline. They may not know who you are, genuinely not know who you are. And you have to check your own ego and say, that's okay. Let me make it known who I am. Let me tell you who I am. And then move on. Yep. But in that space, I had to, I had, child, I done had to unfollow a whole bunch of them and mute yeah, them. I they're always in something. I but for me, it's like if you were to go and look at the NFL as a whole, like NFL Twitter per se, like the media and people like that, that's why you see us come together. NBA, that's why you see those of us that are the, that are the very few come together because we know, you know, no one's going to probably recognize this or nobody's going to probably give us credit where credit is due, but we keep going. We keep working and we make sure that at the end of the day, you're going to always see us up front doing what we're supposed to be doing and not necessarily begging you for the stuff that you think you're supposed to give us. Nope. Cause I don't do it. I don't do this for, I don't even really do this. Honestly, if, and I, I don't know how this sounds, but I don't even really do this for my audience. I do this for me. I do this for me. I do these, every one of these, because these are things that I wanted to talk about. These are things that I want to understand better. Mm. Um, these are things either I, or something that I enjoy talking about. Uh -huh, uh -huh. If I didn't feel that way, I don't think other people would respond. If I was doing it for my audience, if yeah. I was trying to make them happy, mm -hmm. then I would be less authentic. I would not do, ask the questions I ask. I would not fail the way I fail. I wouldn't succeed the way I succeed. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, you know, and you hear, I think that's an artistic way to look at it. And I think that's um, something that people who, who view themselves as artistic kind of view things most times is once you become, and I, I think it's the, the always the, the, the battle between artistic and commercial. Uh -huh. There's nothing wrong with selling your stuff. You have to make a profit. You got, this is life. We got to survive. Mm -hmm. But at some point, yeah, there has, we all have to decide where our line of no compromise is on what are you unwilling to sell? And I think that that conversation is time to have that conversation as a group. Again, what are we willing to sell? What are yes. we not willing to sell? And what is the price of the brick really going to be?
because yeah. we can't have our fees up. We can't have people selling it for cheap when it's when it should be high. And we can't have people selling it less than pure. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to keep it real. And we got people. No, people. People start coming for you. You do certain things and they be like, um, excuse me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If I got the blue magic, then I want you to have the blue magic. Then yes. don't don't be out here putting other stuff with my name on it. And right. I mean that for my people too. I mean that don't put representatives out here who ain't working for me. And I mean that when I'm talking about coaches, I'm talking about the people that you're going to see over the next several months, the same way they did the cap. This is what they're going to do to Brian Flores. They're going to find folks who is, who are going to say, just like they did with Tiki Barber. And they're going to have these kids. Like, I don't, I never saw that. I never felt that. And Man, that thing is. They're going to flip the switch, the switch immediately. And it's going to hurt. And that's why you have to remove your ego from a situation, because if you're not doing it for a collective, if you're not doing it, I know people are probably going to get tired. They're probably going to be like drink every time she says collective, but for real, like (laughs) we have to be mindful of those things because people will tell you one thing. And when those dollars come in to shut up and just do or play along, they will, they will leave you out there high and dry. Hence why it was like, I would have rather him sue them himself. And then also wait because he would have had more to support him along the way. And I just feel as if, you know, it's going to be interesting watching, you know, every bit of this, which I'm sure me and you both are not going to miss any steps on this um, to where it's going to be communicated through messaging, because Mm -hmm. that's another thing. People need to pay attention to these press releases that are going on. Watch the players coalition. Where's the players coalition? Watch what they do and say. Look, can't nobody see me, but I'm pointing at the screen. Come on, come on, come on. So where, where, when are they going to make their statement? When are the players going to come out and say, yeah, you're damn right. When is, when is a coach that's benefited from being hired and being mediocre going to come out and try, and try to show some support? <laughs> I know they're not going to do it. I mean, but- no, no, they really won't. And, and, and I told, I mean, look, some of these white players got to come out and say this stuff too. And and it's up to black reporters and white reporters to ask white players, ask white owners, ask high profile white people Mm -hmm. in the NFL why they haven't gotten this right. And stop just asking black players and stop just asking black coaches about how come you can't get there. Ask them why I can't get there. Ask them because they're the gatekeepers. I'm outside. I don't know why they won't let me in other than what's obvious so right. you tell me why they won't change their minds about their practices and, and those are the people like, who get asked right and then it's like for for us you know in regards to our mental health we're just all frustrated from every angle it's like so many times we try to prove or we do or we are or we try every single time to convince do whatever and it's like Y'all have to realize we're tired as a people. I know I'm tired. I know I've got generations. I come from a legacy of people that's been fighting since before. You know what I'm saying? And I know you have. But for me, it's literally like it's hitting me where I'm in a generation of, I mean, well, damn, fuck that. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's like if I can't find another end road this way and I can't go this way, I can't go under it, I can't go over it, I'm trying to go through it, then 
guess what? I'm done, you know, because I'm not, I have children and I want my children to have the best of me in their lives for their their growth and development for what they see that I'm doing in these various spaces. Because even for my son, my son is, he's 10 now. He, I've been in sports since he was born. My son is just now realizing what I really do. And it's one of those things where he's like, he's putting two and two together. So you're one of the few black women that are that are doing these, like he, that's, those are the words that came out of his mouth. He's 10, you know what I'm saying? So the fact that he can resonate with that and see that and actually say, okay, well, why don't they have this? Why don't they have that? Why don't they, you get, I can't answer that. <laughs> no. I can I mean, give him research. I can give him stuff to look up. I can give him articles to read and he'll read that stuff all day long. And he still comes back to me to ask that question. Why don't they have? <laughs> and so we, we ask you that too. We, we ask can't. him why so too. Can't. To the gatekeepers, it's like, we, we, and you may not agree with me when I say this, we understand why you're gatekeeping, but it makes no sense. To no, me, I know what you're saying. I know what, I know why. Yeah. I know but, exactly why, but it ain't me, right. Yeah. To me, you're, it, you're you're the it's it's not making any sense because crowd is his cat lord god forbid um if something happens to to that commissioner um but how how is the hiring gonna go for the next person how is that for the next commissioner is what i'm the same way it always goes exactly so so now what are we gonna fight during that man's tenure you get what i'm saying because if you go back and you look at all of the all of the Commissioners, right? There's only been a few. No, we could, yeah, you got. You, I mean, essentially, you're talking about the three all, main are Roselle, Tagliabue, and and all of them have had major issues to deal with, and all of and, them deferred them down the road. <laughs> they did a great job of deferring them for the period. next one to deal with. Period. So at this point, if Goodell's not going to make that change or do something, you know, even if it's you know, okay, here's a band aid for that. Cause I tell you this, we're gonna be waiting another ten years. We're gonna be NFL, waiting another twenty years. The NFL had no problem trying to destroy one of its own in Al Davis. You know what I'm saying? Al Davis created the most recognizable brand outside of the Dallas Cowboys in all of football, right? Uh-huh. And they had the NFL. Anytime Al Davis tried to assert his individuality, the NFL had no problem trying to shut him down. And Al Davis went to his grave. Believing, and I'm the evidence looks like the NFL was trying to mess him up till the day he died. Mm. So, what makes black folk think that the NFL ain't gonna result use all its resources to to just again? They are so good at when you run through the cement, the wet cement. Mm. They're real good about smoothing it over and right. making you forget. And there'll be something, they'll do something, and we'll just go. And, and they're what they are always promised, hoping for is that the product. The fact that we love those players, the fact mm. that we love the game, the fact that we love the event of Sundays, that that's going to always get us past the fact that we know that they're wrong. And right. they've been proven right more often than they've ever been proven wrong. And it's not just the NFL. It's this country. They know. Again, like we talked about two summers ago, we thought it was going to be something. Right. And here we are two years later and we yeah. got nothing, nothing. We, we asking for a president to come in and he's talking about he's spending more money on police. We got a president that's coming in talking about he's hasn't looked at one issue for us since he came into the election from the election. Instead, he owed us. Remember, he said, I owe this election to black America. 
Yeah. We ain't got nothing yet. Maybe. So, <laughs> so if you talking about direct impact right. and people telling us you're still not that important. And so that's what I say. The next part of this conversation is what's really the price? What is the cost and what is the price? We need to figure that out. And what's next? Because we can't continue um, wanting to fight against this particular system the way that it's going and not actually get some type of action out of it. So um, I just, I feel like it's one of those things where it's going to be now our jobs, not only to just report on what's happening in this class action lawsuit, because that's going to be very important because something's going to be missed. Somebody's not going to put something out there. And usually it's us, the black journalists who find it and put it out there. Um, but from that standpoint, but in general, it's going to be upon us to kind of steer the conversation now. Okay, fans, this is the result of this. Okay, people who may not care about the NFL, this is the result of this. But what are we going to do as a collective to kind of make sure that our coaches feel valued, that our players feel valued in another space? Because that's going to be the next thing. Because that's something that I'm seeing here around the city of Atlanta. A lot of times, you know, yeah, some people should be working together as a collective, but then there's some people who work together as a collective and is partnering with other individual individual people doing different things, which it, it comes back down to a collective because you may not want to you may not want to work in, in, in the NFL, but you want to work in a WNBA space. Okay, well, sis, let me tell you what I had to go through here so you understand what you're probably gonna face there because it's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. I've had to watch it, I've had to see it myself. Mm-hmm. That's a different beast. And they're just now getting some real funding behind that league per se. So now they should start seeing some things. But I just feel like, you know, that next conversation, it needs to be it needs to be a consistent thing that we talk about and that we pose out there to other people because it can be done. Honestly, we've seen it be done in other leagues, other whether it's arena football, whatever. It's like, let's let's do this. Hell, flag football. That was a whole different. I mean, you could look, you could talk about it like, I mean, we have seen the the modern NBA does not exist without the Harlem Globetrotters. Uh huh. Yep. You know, people, there's a lot of folks who don't understand and don't remember that there was a time when the NBA used to do double headers and the Harlem Globetrotters would play first so that people would show up to watch NBA basketball because it wasn't popular. Right. Wasn't popular. But what happens then? The Harlem, the league was not integrated at the time, mm-hmm. but you're using the Harlem Globetrotters to entertain and to get folks in your building. Mm-hmm. They were beating NBA teams uh-huh. at the time. Uh-huh. So what happens? They get marginalized. They become the clown princes of basketball and, that- and they are pushed out of the history of the NBA. And, and that's, that's what I say is you got to... Right. And I felt some type of way when the Harlem Globetrotters came back out, you know, um, not necessarily like they had went anywhere, but more so like the rebranding of it and them challenging the league itself and saying, hey, we want a team. We want to be able to be in this league. And a lot of people laughed at that. Now, I get why a lot of people laughed at it on the surface. But if you really listen to what they had to say, they have every right to ask to have a team. That's what I'm saying. 
they have every right to have um, some type of space in this league, whether you want to say that they're, you know, just this clown or circus uh, show per se, most of your favorite players pulled their moves from these very people. So I just, you know, I was grateful that the Atlanta voice, I hate to do a shameless plug here. I was grateful that the Atlanta voice was able to kind of be a part of their, um, messaging at the time when they were you know when they started out in the city of Atlanta and things of that nature because they actually meant that now I don't know where they are with that at this point but I feel like I feel like more people should have really understood and heard where they were coming from but because they don't know what you just said because they didn't do their research and realize because we were part of the conversation hello Come on. Because Come nobody on. at ESPN was standing there telling that story. Let me find because- out that you're <laughs> preaching today. Because <laughs> many people go probably listen to this and be like, oh, they don't agree. Listen, it don't matter if we agree or if we don't. Facts are facts, you know, and on both sides right there, that right there in itself. We were not a part of those conversations. We were there was no collective voice for that to push that. Come on. So, Come um, on. you know, and that's over this this conversation that we've had, well, you and I have disagreed. We've had different points, mm-hmm. but that's not. I don't do this to have agreement, right? I do this right. to have the conversation. And what we got right. to at the end is, right. we need to have another conversation. We need to, have but we know exactly what that next conversation needs exactly. to be about, and that means that we're we're progressively moving forward. Like because a lot of times in most of these situations, especially when. You know, if you're dealing with the legal matter, they're not trying to hear what you was talking about the last time. Where are we now? What are we trying to settle right here? Is there t- is it time for mediation or is this going to finally see a day in court? You know, like, come on, like what's what's next? So that's why I feel like even in this conversation of moving forward with this, you know, if he has anything because he's already done his little media tour and all of these other things, if he has anything it's either going to come out closer to before the Super Bowl is played or it's going to come out the week or two after, per se. Um, And I only say that just because he would literally, his team, I would say, let me say his team because he probably has no control over this, but his team would literally have to keep the conversation going throughout the events of what's happening. Like even during Pro Bowl, we the have draft. Pro Bowl, I feel like that kind of drowned out Pro Bowl, in my opinion. Um, and so coming off of Pro Bowl, but people really don't pay attention, you know, to Pro Bowl. But I mean, you know, next week, like you said, next week, Super Bowl, and then we start turning attention to the combine and then the draft. Combine, the draft, all of these things. So it, free it, agency. They have to, they have to be intentional on how they're pushing this messaging and where whatever new discovery or things that they're going to have that they can legally push out there, they're going to have to do it around these times that people are like, it's time for the NFL. Something's going on in the NFL during this time. It's time for the, like you, all of these things. Like you, so, you, have, you have to be omnipresent. You got to be everywhere. You got to right. be everywhere. Right. Right. Because if he even lets it die down just even a little bit, the NFL can just come right on in and say, hey, we want to settle this. How much? Which they probably will anyway. That's what this problem. I mean, look, that's. But it'll be a lot. NFL, it'll be a lot sooner than later for sure. Because <laughs> they got look, look what they did with St. Louis, right? St. Louis had the whole case against them, and they got St. Louis to give them. They was like, "Here, we gonna give you seven hundred ninety million and be quiet." Right. St. Louis could have gotten billions. 
billions and they settle for 790 and the lawyers got a third of that. So like, you know, we'll see. But Dawn, I thank you so much. Oh no, it's always a pleasure and an honor because you always do a great job to bring different voices on your uh, podcast. You use this platform very, very well which is why someone like me would not create a podcast just randomly all willy nilly unless I had the intention of like doing something with it. Like I completely respect you um, and what you're doing, what you've been building. And I think- What's your you cash app again so I can send you that money for that compliment? I don't need all that. <laughs> but for real, like I just, I feel like it's one of those things where we we talk to each other, we communicate and we, you know, reach out to each other. But we, I don't think we really see each other or we really kind of like have these moments where we can kind of in depth, you know, really talk and do those things. So I just want to make sure that you know you are appreciated and that, um, you know, every chance I get, I'm listening because I made sure to listen to the previous conversations because I did not want to come on here <laughs> saying some of the same things. And I think that every podcast gets to do that, you know, like go and listen to the podcast before you get on it. Because you have people that get on people's podcasts and they don't even know what they there for. Come on. So <laughs> but tonight, today was amazing. I feel like it's going to pr- probably push some buttons. It's definitely going to push some buttons, but I also feel like it's one of those things where you are intentionally using that journalistic muscle to kind of get people to think more, to think beyond. And I think that that's one of the things where me and you both identify and we connect on because I hate seeing something on the surface and then I actually know something on the back end and I'd be like trying to comment and be like, but what if it's this? You know what I'm saying? And whole time I know it might be that but that the you know everybody else doesn't know that but this is this is what this is for and I appreciate you so much thank you and and you know that's one of the reasons that like you said we you and I are very thoughtful about these things and we're very intentional in these things and and as you said we we may not get to converse in long length but uh-huh. you and I are also very intentional about just keeping in touch checking yes. on each other every now and then it might just yes. be a quick mental health check you doing good yes. I'm yeah. doing all right. I'm not yeah. so good right now. I need a minute because we've had right. to tell each other. Take that. Yeah. Take your pause. Yeah. Take your pause. And the past couple of months have been hard. Do you hear me? January was kind of good, but December really kicked my tail for and you, sure. And you know what I've been going through, and yeah. and and I've confided in you. And um, but mostly, you know, our relationship is built on respect. Mm-hmm. It's built on respect. And I respect your, your opinion. I expect your voice and I expect respect what you bring to the table. So, um, you know, as this continues to go forward, like I said, we will talk again and then we'll both yeah. be in the same spaces. You know, yeah. We, yeah. we will be continuing this on Twitter. We'll be continuing it at other places, too. But, yeah, yeah I, I, this isn't going to stop. I don't know how many parts there will be. I don't know. <laughs> right. Right. Because like we don't know how long this this well, whole I commend you for making it a series too, because here's the thing, like you said, this is it's so many moving parts to this to where you can't just cover this in one episode. And you documenting the process would be huge and important, especially from a black journalist's voice um and in your community that you bring on here. Um, that's gonna be crucial to this conversation just because 
yeah, there's probably going to be writers writing long form stories and, you know, following up and somebody's going to write a book maybe, you know, but to have that audio piece of it to where you brought on experts, you brought on people who are in the legal field, you brought on, you know, just whomever you have brought on here that you respect, that you know would be great for your listeners. That's huge. That's huge because there's somebody listening, not realizing something, there's somebody listening, not realizing, okay, wait a minute. That was OJ's former, you know, attorney or what have you. Oh, OJ did have about nine to 10 attorneys. You get what I'm saying? Like it's, there's somebody that's going to learn something from these, from these uh, talks and conversations. And I think that that's the huge um, service that you give to your audience. Well, I thank you so much for that. Not, you know, the next time I hope we talk about something a little lighter. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was light. <laughs> next time, just we'll have an offline conversation to be a little bit lighter. Hopefully, right, right, we'll talk right. about our kids and we'll do that stuff yeah, and catch up on that. Day. Yes, ma'am. Because we both have the joy of raising uh, beautiful black daughters, and um, there ain't nothing like that. There ain't nothing like it. Listen, yeah. I tell my boys all the time, my God, I thought they changed my life. This little girl came in and was like, oh, we're not done, honey. <laughs> uh, Natalia, you know, Natalia's made my life right. just different than I ever expected it would be. And yeah. she's a lot like your boys at, at that age where they, they start recognizing what it is that you do uh-huh. you know, to have to know that my daughter understands uh-huh. um, the challenges that I face in this uh-huh. field. Uh, that not only empathizes, but like you said, encourages too. Like yeah. she, when I get something, she's like, "Yeah, Daddy, you're good. You, you know you're right, supposed to have right. it." And when right. I don't get it, she's like, "That's on them." Exactly. That's on them. So exactly. <laughs> exactly, kids be getting it. Do you hear me? And they mean it too. They don't. <laughs> and she it's tells me, everybody, <laughs> like she judges my work at times. She'll be like, "No, that wasn't right, Daddy. You need to go back and try that one again." So. You know, I, I respect that and I love that, but um, I love you, my friend, and I'm so glad we had this opportunity to talk and um, we'll do it again soon. Yes, we will. Thank you. All right. So for Dawn Montgomery, I am David Grubb, and this has been another edition of Hard to Paint. We'll do it again soon. Y'all be good. <laughs> <laughs>